0: I think it's time to come together and Be the spark, let's be the spark And build them up, from the ground up Don't lose heart and don't lose touch Build them up Hi and welcome
1: to Build'em Up, where we hear from great people building the health and well-being of rural communities right around Australia. This Build'em Up podcast is proudly supported by NBN, I'm Clay Fitzmorris from the National Rural Health Alliance and in this podcast we hear from our delegates to the 16th National Rural Health Conference on their motivations to work rurally and their suggestions to improve rural health service delivery. Let's take a listen.
2: Hi, I'm Andrew Coe, I'm Chief Executive of Western New South Wales Primary Health Network. I think working rural is a great opportunity to make a big contribution to the population and to support healthcare professionals that are working in the catchment. What we've seen in some of our catchment is an opportunity for the community to get behind the health professionals, embed them in the service and embed them in the community. A recommendation for me would be to encourage people to move into a rural remote setting to gain the experience that they can get working within that community.
3: My name is Lucy Bliss and I work for James Cook Uni's Central Queensland Centre for Rural and Remote Health in Emerald in Queensland. I love working rurally. Um, we settled in Emerald 12 years ago. I love our town. Rural health delivery got easier with when our CPD improved. There has been an increase in local CPD opportunities and that really helped us, we didn't have to travel for continuing learning opportunities. Um, Networking with other health professionals has also been great for us. We try and get to know as many of the different practicing health professionals in our area and together we try and all serve the community to reach um, good outcomes together. My one recommendation would be to give incentives to students to work rurally across allied health, nursing, medicine, dentistry, if you could have incentives to study and then train rurally, whether it's reduced fees, extra support, when at uni, it would really encourage people to get out of the cities and the metropolitan areas and try rural life.
4: I'm Kim Horton, I'm the Chief Economist at the Regional Australia Institute. There's so much potential, I think, in, in rural and regional Australia at the moment. I think there's a lot of different uh, pathways that seem to be working. I think we've seen a few examples in places of people who've really taken a lead in connecting those new rural health workers to their community. So there's some big structural issues about the nature of health and health funding in Australia, but what rural communities seem to do is things that do quite well, which is be adaptable and flexible and really work on those personal relationships to strengthen their, their local health uh, diversity and their local health workforce. I'm particularly thinking about a, a program that the Health Minister might like to consider where you'd actually be using some sort of small business cluster techniques to fast-track growth in allied health businesses. I think we could apply the same principles in the allied health space and thereby support and fast-track the growth and, and, and sustainability of new allied health businesses and business services in the smaller regional communities.
5: Hi, my name's Joan Van Rotterdam. And my organisation is the Australian Chiropractors Association. I think one of the problems um, for rural health was the dismantling of the community um, health force, things like the Baby Health Centre, etc. Rural health is very different and has um, many different problems associated with it. And um, because of that I think the Medicare payments for rural doctors should increase.
2: I'm Professor Savannah Knight and I'm the Director of JCU Central Queensland Centre for Rural and Remote Health based in Emerald. Well I am rural I'm from rural, I grew up rural, I've always worked remote and rural it's what matters to me, I love it absolutely it is the growing a health workforce in and for and with the community so it's We have to be patient to do that because it takes time, but that is what works. It would be to fund those training positions, more training positions for the health workforce across all the disciplines, Aboriginal health practitioners, nurses, allied health, midwives, doctors, in rural and remote communities, for those people from those communities to undertake their training in those communities. So the infrastructure that's required, the coordination but importantly fund those training places.
5: Alinda Wayman and I manage some community programs that's my um, substantial position and uh, was asked to manage to, and stand up the vaccination unit um, which we did so we've been living in and breathing vaccination for the last yeah, 18 months. We wanted to make sure that we um, incorporated you know our cold community that was really important that we were able to vaccinate our cold community. So we worked with the Shepherd and the District Ethnic Council um, and they become part of our staff um, in our fixed hub. And they were instrumental in advocating so it was such a, a great partnership so these were young people from from a variety of multicultural backgrounds they had not been exposed to health before you know they didn't have that that knowledge or that health background you've seen them grow. We've had people then that, that have gone into social working they've gone into nursing um, they've gone into pathology and other Um, areas like that which is great. There are other outcomes from that. There was a Wise Women uh, initiative which was a a group of um, women that were leaders in their communities and so they came along and we had um, Helen and some other members of our staff did a lot of presentations. We were able to, to take that, dispel those myths, provide them with factual information that they, they could then take back to their community, um, you know, and encourage people to come and get
6: vaccinated, which was, which was fabulous. I'm Dr. Helen Roberts. I am not an, a vaccination expert. I'm, I don't drive a bus, but I am a specialist anaesthetist and spent about 14, 15 months working in the COVID vaccination program in Goldwyn Valley Health. So the use of the vaccination bus, which is what we did in in Shepparton and the rest of the Golden Valley Health since September of last year, um, has had lots of unintended consequences for us. We found that it was popular beyond our original expectations and we had lots of priority populations that we wanted to go to first off. There was more that we could do um, and had some really strong partnerships locally um, that supported more of our community becoming involved in healthcare and providing care. The, the confidence that was developed by, by the people that were working with us was huge, but really importantly what they did outside of the vaccine centre, what they did when they went home to their family, when they went to community gatherings. They were able to answer questions, and answer questions from an informed point of view they would take questions from their community and bring them to us and we got credibility within those community settings because of our links with those groups. And what we hope is those links continue. The fact that we've now become trusted resources, that the hospital service and the health sector in general is trusted more locally and that they will come back to us when they need us.
7: My name's Julie Sater, I work for the Melbourne Dental School at the University of Melbourne. My motivation for interest in rural communities is based on my long-standing interest in inequality. The significant inequalities for rural people around health and many of them are social and funding issues. Oral health as a significant marker of inequality is particularly important in rural areas because we have all sorts of access issues that arise out of the fact that dentistry is not a part of Medicare. It's time we put the mouth back into the body and started to treat oral health the way we treat our general health. Now that requires the Commonwealth to step up and put dental care into Medicare. It also requires them to step up and put the same incentives for rural dental workforce. We don't have enough dental practitioners working in rural areas and yet there are no incentives for them to do so. One of the really important things that did happen a few years ago was a dental and oral health therapist graduate year program that put new practitioners out into rural communities. We badly need to do that again. Further away from the metropolitan area you get the worse this is and it's multiplied in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. I would advocate for an oral health therapist in every residential aged care setting because they can extend the capacity of the system to work and they're very preventively oriented practitioners. The capacity of rural and particularly remote areas to host students is constrained by their workforce shortages. So I would call on the federal government to look at dentistry like they do with medicine and nursing and put the same sort of incentives and funding packages in place. We need to train as many oral health therapists as we do dentists, for example. They are workforce capacity expanders. They work to reduce demand with their preventive approach and to increase um, uh, supply.
8: Marianne St Clair, Simbani Research. We need to reverse the MBS changes implemented on the 1st of July this year. For a lot of our people, this is just going to be a disaster. We've already had specialists withdraw their services from rural, regional, remote areas because they know they are not able to maintain continuous audio and visual constantly through the consult. And we all prefer uh, video conferencing to phone, but there are circumstances that just, it's not gonna work. In some cases, people choose to uh, use phone rather than video. Both our clinicians and our uh, consumers often don't have access to reliable internet. So the intention was to increase the amount of video conferencing done, but it's really widened the gap between health service delivery between urban and rural, regional and remote. So we need these changes reversed ASAP. My name's
9: Vicki Wade, I'm the Director for Rheumatic Heart Disease Australia, we're housed at Menzies School of Health Research in Darwin. What motivates me to uh, continue supporting really people working rural is that they really do need a lot of support. I think the local solutions can be from an Aboriginal perspective that it has to be run by Aboriginal people. So you look at Aboriginal leadership within the communities, it's uh, community-owned, community-led. You need to empower Aboriginal people in these communities to be able to make choices, to be able to then uh, practise self-determination and elevate the voices because often I find that the community do have the solutions. It's just that we need to support them. So we need commitment from the Federal government Health Minister. We need commitment from all our Commonwealth uh, people that work within rheumatic heart disease. It is a lot of work across the whole disease trajectory. So it needs to be a comprehensive elimination strategy. It's very hard to say sometimes because Working in the space you get very emotional. It's like taking three steps forward and sometimes four steps back. I see these young children, we see them being diagnosed, we see them having to have monthly painful injections. And what happens is that if we don't pick them up early and if we don't prevent this disease, our young children are suffering and dying
10: unnecessary. I'm Erin Ferguson. I'm the paediatric Rheumatic heart disease clinical nurse consultant based in Cairns, but also covering the Cape and Torres Strait. My patients motivate me to keep working rural. I feel that I can make a difference in this space and give these children in particular that I look after a voice and advocate for them. We need a comprehensive strategy to end rheumatic heart disease for our First Nations people. We need dedicated funding for rheumatic heart disease. This disease is a national disgrace. We're a first world country and this is a disease of social disadvantage. There's lots of people in this space that are passionate and devoted and dedicated, but we need financial support to make to end our HD and we know that we can end our HD. Unfortunately, we're seeing the problem is getting worse, not better.
11: Richard Colbrand, the Chief Executive of New South Wales Rural Doctors Network. I'm very motivated to keep working in rural. Rural's become a home for me across all of rural New South Wales and Australia. The ability to support community and local solutions in community is probably my greatest motivation and we know we have to do more to support our remote and rural communities. One of the great things for me about working rural is seeing locally employed rural clinicians, be they doctors, nurses, midwives, allied health workers or Aboriginal health practitioners locally trained, locally employed and living local. For me, the local solution is what matters the most. I think the most important thing right at the moment for our country is actually the identification and the support for rural communities. Does rural matter in Australia? Well, for me, the answer is absolutely. And all of our work, not just in health, but across the whole political landscape and our policy landscape needs to actually call out and support rural for a great Australia.
12: I am Joyce, I'm from the Royal Flying Doctors, Tasmania. I had the privilege as an international student to work in the rural and remote areas of Western Australia. That opened up my eyes to the rural community, the cohesiveness and the needs there. And I like the cohesiveness and the community, the tightness there. And I find that that's where the needs are. In my opinion, it's more of a systemic uh, challenge that probably would be more top-down um, I, I mean it has to be from the government but having said that as one of the speakers have said we can throw a pebble down and report the effects I think it's working both ways from the top down from the government as well as an individual making a difference I would say to give like um, fringe benefits or incentives for people to move to the rural and remote areas as healthcare workers. Because it's really tough out there, both from a cost of living, the living conditions, and they're basically uprooting themselves away from their families. David Lim, Curtin University. Uh, Currently I'm working on the Chronic Kidney Disease Project. You really need better quality data and so that At least we have the platform or all the information that's perhaps, you know, even standardised if that's possible, that it's useful to us uh, uh, researchers as well as clinicians, that it can be used effectively for the health and uh, the benefit of of the whole population out there. Recommendation to the Federal Minister for Health, probably be uh, for standardisation for better health records uh, in terms of collection as well from across primary health data and
4: tertiary data. Mike Stevens, I work for the National Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, Nacho. It would be to listen to the Aboriginal community controlled health sector uh, and respond to their needs Um, and what we're hearing uh, from my perspective is that uh, they need um, more medicines expertise embedded within their clinical services and that's why we think that uh, there should be funding for a national program uh, to integrate pharmacists into Archos.
10: I'm Benina rabai and I'm the Vice Chair of the National Rural Health Student Network. What motivates me to keep working rural is the ability to give back to my community on a more tangible scale.
8: My name is Nicola Murphy. I'm the National Vice Chair Internal for the NRHSN in 2022. As someone who comes from a rural background, I'm really keen to be part of the solution that I was faced with as a child. Um, and I've received an, quite a number of supports um, through med school uh, to support me on this journey of becoming a rural doctor, uh, which I'm looking forward to doing. My name's Josephine Canceri and I'm a fourth year medical student with Western Sydney University based at the Bathurst Clinical School.
13: I think having that exposure that I've had in Bathurst, the doctors that work rurally seem to have a genuine connection and want to be there for and with their patients. And I think that's an art of medicine that I feel has been lost in the metropolitan sector. But I've grown up metropolitan my whole life but I have farming roots and I think I want to connect back to that.
8: Haramiln, Gove District Hospital, Northern Territory.
3: Really I think it's the cultural experiences, the friendships that you make with your colleagues, the variety of work, like I've worked 12 years in the same hospital and I've never had the same day twice, just with the variety that you have. Your colleagues really do become like your family, you've been through so many shared experiences together, I think we've got such strong connections and such loyalty to each other and also respect for each other. I think it's really important that incentives that are out there for individual professions are open to all professions because there's so many different health professionals that work in rural and remote areas and it creates inequality when one profession, such as medical officers, are eligible for allowances and incentives and upskilling that the rest of us aren't eligible for.
13: Hi, my name is Chris Giles and I'm from the Portland community in Victoria it's time for the federal health minister to actually listen to local people what we hear is a platitude falling off the lips of our politicians and senior key stakeholders that a postcode should not define your health and well-being but in reality it does define our health and well-being in the current circumstance What I would like to see happen is that the local voice is listened to um, and really heard by the people that can make a difference to our reality of living in the rural sector. We need our funders to look at what we're doing. We have very innovative and well thought out models that we are implementing with no funding at all. Because that funding is being moved into centralised and urban environments instead of funding our grassroots initiatives. So I implore you to listen to our local senior leaders and clinicians because we have the answers, we can grow our own solutions, and we can change it up to ensure that we're not continually doing more of the same. If we do more of the same, we will simply get the same result and it's time for change.
1: Thanks to our delegates for giving us their feedback. It was an absolute pleasure hearing your stories about courage and resilience and the wonderful partnerships you have built. Thank you for the suggestions to uplift rural healthcare delivery and for highlighting that this needs stronger commitment and comprehensive strategies
0: think it's time to come together and Be the spark, let's be the spark And build them up from the ground up Don't lose heart and don't lose touch Build them up to stay in the fight Gotta keep the hope in the country alive
1: And our thanks to NBN, who are lifting digital connectivity and capability across rural, regional, and remote communities. If you like hearing upbeat, community-driven health stories, get your monthly Build Em Up podcast by heading to ruralhealth.org.au slash buildemup. up. tears
0: form channels in the dust the lines of the cracks on face Still the